Property Marketing Made Easy, the podcast. Here's your host from Get Savvy Club, Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin. Hello, we are the Get Savvy Club and we're on a mission to teach anyone in property how to get visible online. Why? So you can get deals, you can get direct bookings, you can find JV partners and investors, or if you're a realtor or estate agent, you can find new stock and ultimately you can make money. If you would like our help, just message us on info at getsavvyclub.co.uk or find us on social media. And you are listening to an interview podcast. And today we've got a fabulous guest on called Frank Fledge, which is a good, I think it's a bit of a superhero name, isn't it? I love it? that name, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's like that, Frank Fledge. Yeah. I think I, when I very, when I met him, I think I asked him if that was his actual real name. He should get a cape. Order. Yeah. <laughs> and some tights. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Never suggested it to him. But yeah, and this is a really good one, really interesting, because before... Anna always books the podcast guests and before they go on she says oh this person does this and I'm like okay fine turns and out so when we said you know what is it that you do he talked about a six or seven different things he does yeah. none of them were the thing that Anna had mentioned yeah. to me um, so I think what's interesting is how people have so many irons in the fire and plates spinning and they all spin off from one thing so they don't start yeah. saying right I'm going to set up six businesses they do one and then maybe they meet someone and they've got a mutual interest and they start something else and so we've had a lot of guests recently where that's the case quite rightly there's one thing that they talk about and then the other things are happening in the background so Frank was one of these that has got a really interesting story and an awful lot going on and is very modest about his success I think yeah and uh, he's when I met him years ago he was looking for people to do property sourcing teaching people how to do property sourcing so he still does that but it's actually more from an investor point of view now really to help people create his wealth ultimately it's wealth creation isn't it that aspect of what he does so it's but yeah really enough like these six or seven things but don't think that that means you can have six or seven businesses if you knew because the plan is always to get one make that work really well first and then get another one that perhaps connects with that one in some way so if you listen to frank and what he talks about and all the different things that he does actually they all interlink in some way if you just listen you think oh that's a lot of different things but actually then they all interlink in some way which makes sense and that's how it should be really start with one thing boss that then when you've got that running pretty much how you want it then add the next thing in and the next thing in and that's how yeah and what you should listen out for is his story of how he got going and um, the failures he's had as well because you know we learn from them don't we and um if anybody's thinking oh i'm just worried it's going to go wrong yeah it's going to go wrong it's Mm. how you handle it and move on from it though so anyway interesting stuff and let's get into it if you're enjoying property marketing made easy the podcast from get savvy club use your podcast app to rate follow and subscribe so i'm dad of two beautiful boys nine and 11 years old so i think that's probably my my biggest purpose my second biggest purpose is probably the housing project so we have helped to avoid 300,000 nights where someone has slept in one of our beds rather than on the street or sofa oh, surfing wow. so that's our stepping stones project in i want to say five cities now across the uk so that's probably my second purpose neither of which make me any money so i <laughs> the third one would be the one that pays the bills and that is i have six main businesses now so i won't bore you with all of them but i have a property investment franchise so i help people who want to get into property investing in a sophisticated way usually a full-time way to build portfolios that will give them financial freedom and emulate my results basically and then my other businesses are all well i've got one that's a, a, a martial arts franchise so we've got 10 franchisees now across the country. Wow, that's a bit left field. 
I know, I know it really is. Yeah. So looking to add about 14 more schools uh, this year across the country. And then my third main business is business coaching. So we coach a lot of martial arts school owners and are just starting. We just partnered with someone who is one of the top cheerleading schools in the country. So we're going to start coaching business coaching cheerleading schools so yeah exciting i've got a software company that uh, sells crm supplies crm to clubs around the country so like subscription clubs i'm about to launch a clothing company so we've um, just struck up a deal to bring clothing into the uk and i'm excited about that so yeah quite diverse but um and i guess the sixth one is my own property portfolio which I cannot believe it. This year, we have already signed up 46 properties. We are currently buying 46 properties, which I've never bought that many in a year before. I've been pretty active previously, but I think it's a sign of the times and how what an amazing time it is to buy property at the moment. So yeah, those are my main interests, guys. Uh, it's quite broad, I know. <laughs> oh, see, before we came on, Anna said, oh, uh, Frank teaches people property sourcing, but that yeah. you didn't mention that in any of your businesses. <laughs> well, that, that's the property source. Sourcing is a part of the sophisticated mm. property investing. But yeah, yeah. And of course, I source properties for myself. So yeah. 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 So you help. Which is get... how we met, Anna. That's how yeah, we met. Yeah, I know. I was saying, like, I think it was like years ago, and I think we went for breakfast in Derby or something, didn't we? Mm. That, hence why I was thinking, oh, you, you, you're based in Derby, but you've moved to Leicestershire now. So I was saying, yeah, it's been long because I know um, you've helped a lot of people get their own property sourcing business. Mm. So, and obviously from that, then they can invest, you know. So is it more those people that actually want to be sourcing them for themselves now as opposed to for other people? or a mixture of both the majority of our franchisees in the property business are doing it for themselves but sometimes they'll flip a property or two to bring cash in but uh, sometimes actually they'll source for maybe a year to build up you know if they haven't got cash reserves and then once they've got a bit of a war chest then they'll start buying for themselves but the predominant plan is for our clients to build their own portfolios yeah excellent so you you did them in a bit of a list of an order there it's like so much to talk about in a podcast which <laughs> which, which bit are you obviously the most bit the bit you're most passionate about is obviously the being dad bit but other than that which particular business are you most passionate about in terms of the where's your focus going to be i know you're buying 46 houses so that's a big deal but mm. like the others i'm someone who loves new stuff I love the, the the next challenge. The clothing company is very embryonic, so it's probably a bit early to be talking about that because we're still just kicking that off. We're, yeah. we're actually joint venturing with the manufacturer. So they're going to become a shareholder in the UK company and then we'll distribute from that company. So that's probably a bit early. Um, what kind of clothing is that? Is that martial arts clothing? or just It is. Like... It's martial okay. arts clothing and equipment. Absolutely. Right. Ah. So if you think boxing gloves. So there is a synergy with other things pads. you do. Oh, there absolutely is. And your, is. your yeah. audience and all exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. I do look for synergy and leverage, actually. Yeah. yeah. So we've already got ready-made customers for for it. We, we already buy from this supplier already. It's just a, oh, a, yeah, a, yeah. an acceleration of that relationship and an expanding of it. So I think the one I'm most excited about is for the first time in 10 years, we're launching a new program tomorrow, coincidentally. We haven't set this up, by the way, guys, <laughs> to, to be the podcast before the launch. Mm-hmm. But tomorrow, for the first time, we are launching our Diamond Wealth coaching program, which is 
the highest level wealth coaching program we've ever done. Um, the most small groups so the smallest number of uh, people. And I'm really excited about that. We've mapped out the next 12 months of that, of how we're going to support our clients. What about this? We've given them a 500% return on investment guarantee. So we guarantee that they will make at least 500% ROI. So yeah, I think that's the one I'm most excited about the most. So what kind of people will be in that? Yeah, so they will already have their own businesses. They'll already have their own team we've earmarked individuals already so we've got some people that we're like they should join this is going to be perfect for them and we've designed it with some people and are these with martial arts businesses or no no across across sectors yeah the the program's for anyone but they will already have decent cash flow so they'll all, yeah. already be doing at least five figures a month, if not six figures in some cases. Yeah. And they'll have a team. So they'll have a decent amount of leverage already. Maybe the smallest ones will have a team of five or 10. Mm-hmm. And then the larger ones might be 20, 25. In the um, coaching business, we already coach over 100 business owners, mostly in martial arts businesses. And what we've realized, initially, people just want to pay the bills. So initially, people want to you know, get to 50 grand a year and And now they've got a business and they're not worrying about cash flow. But once they get beyond that, maybe that 50 grand becomes 50 grand a year becomes 50 grand a month and they're spinning off significant profit. You know, some businesses of of a 50 grand income per month, they might be making 15 or 20 profit. They don't know what to do with it. So the number of people I, I spoke at a martial arts event, actually 150 odd delegates. I was talking about the martial arts franchise. I was like, I've I've launched my own school in Coventry, just south of Coventry. We're at 120 students, which won't mean much to you guys, but that's six grand a month income. And and you think this is just in a school sports hall twice a week, just on yeah. a Tuesday and a Thursday evening. We've recruited a few instructors and it runs. I haven't been there in about three or four months. And it just brings in the money every month. Obviously, there's stuff to do in the background. And I was presenting to them going, the traditional way of launching a martial arts school is you get a black belt and then you start teaching students and you know they all put five quid in a bucket when they come in the business owner way of doing it is not to be the instructor and i was talking about that and i said now i'm stood here and you know i'm not as lean as some of you guys you definitely can't see uh, there might be a six pack under there but you definitely can't <laughs> see it you know and 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 the rumors are true I've, i did karate for six months when i was 11 i'm not a <laughs> anyone want to take me on <laughs> yeah yeah I, I was like if i offend any of you i'm gonna apologize now because i definitely yeah. don't want to fight later yeah exactly (laughs) and I was saying to them it's about being a business owner the reason we've set this coaching program up is after I finished that presentation I only only presented for half an hour the stand was inundated with people but it was so embarrassing because my business partner who's the martial artist you you guys might know Gordon Bircham do you know Gordon Bircham yeah 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 Gordon and I uh, have launched the GeForce franchise and he and I teach together in the business mastery uh, coaching business. But it was embarrassing because we're all there going, oh, look, all this interest in in our GeForce franchise. (laughs) And they didn't want to talk about the franchise. They wanted to talk about the property investing. And it's because they were successful business owners, the ones that were coming up to us, but they didn't know what to do with their money. They didn't know how to protect their wealth. They didn't know how to, you know, if my students stopped coming. And we're only one Black Swan event away from losing our businesses. Are you familiar with the Black Swan concept? It's, you know, something that wasn't foreseen. Yeah. We perhaps should have seen coming. We don't know what it's going to be, but we know there's going to be big stuff. So it was 
the financial crisis of 2008, 2009, the credit crunch, you know, no one knew that was coming, but we perhaps should have expected something big. It was the pandemic of 2019, 2020, et cetera, et cetera. And now it's the cost of living crisis and the Ukraine war. You know, these are all things that there is one pretty regularly that we don't foresee. But for a martial arts school owner, for example, it might be that one of your students, one of your instructors either is accused or is convicted of being inappropriate with some of the children for example. Oh yeah, that kill your business. Absolutely, overnight. Can you imagine it? And so you might have the best business in the world, you've got amazing instructors, but one black swan event wipes the whole thing out. Yeah. And the problem is if all you've done is rely on that business, how do you pay your mortgage next month? And how do you, you know, how do you continue your life? What we're designing the, the Diamond Wealth program about is you've already got a successful business. You're bringing in profit. Now what do you do? How do you diversify into another revenue stream that's not connected to that one? How do you insure? Because you can insure against a lot of stuff. Like if you're the instructor and you get sick, your business is going to stop. But you can insure against that. You can get key person insurance, et cetera. How do you invest in a way that's going to build your wealth over time as well? Not many people are going to want to be working when they're 80 or 90. And so how can you start to put that five grand a month, two grand a month, £1,000 a month into property, for example, or the stock market or a safer asset class or another business in order to make you safer overall. So that's what we're kicking off. And I'm excited about it. You can probably tell. (laughs) So if I just take you back to something you said at the start, you said that in the last year, you're buying 46 properties. This year? What, since January? So since, well, actually, we signed both of them up just before Christmas, and we're now in the process of buying 46, correct? Yeah. yeah. When so I say how does that work two, without two being vendors. a billionaire? You know, how? That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's two vendors. When I say both of them, they're two vendors. One is selling us 32 and one's 14. So, so these are off plan. They're creating, they're building. No, no, they're, they're established. Somebody else's um, portfolios. Portfolios, yeah. yeah they're established right. landlords that have had them. One guy's had them 20 odd years. The others have had them maybe longer, maybe 30 odd years. Mm -hmm. How do you buy them? Yeah. So yeah, they're both no money down deals for me. So I'm not actually putting any money into, into any of the 46. When I say that, perhaps a little misleading. I will spend on the legals Mm -hmm. and I'll spend on the stamp duty if stamp duty is due, but I won't be putting money into like the deposits and stuff. On the 32 portfolio, we're exchanging contracts now. So we get the keys for 32 properties. In fact, Friday this week, I'm going up with my business partner and we're going to spend two whole days, Friday and Saturday, and we're visiting all 32 properties, basically to meet the tenants, inspect Mm -hmm. the interiors of the properties. We've already done the deal. We've signed heads of terms. The lawyers are working, but just to ensure that all is as it should be. So that is an exchange of contracts now. And then what we've agreed is to buy the properties to complete the purchases when the mortgages run out. And that's anything between, I think the earliest one is four or five years time. And Mm -hmm. the latest is about 11 years. So we're agreeing to buy them at, I think it's about 84%, 85% of today's value. We're getting all the cash flow from them. So that cash flow will accumulate over that period of time. They're quite cash flow positive. We'll pay the investors mortgages throughout. It's as if we own them now and we're kind of like using their mortgages. And then 
we will complete the purchases as and when those mortgages need to be repaid. But here's the thing, we've made it an assignable contract. So each property, we don't actually have to buy it ourselves, we can flip that to an investor. We can buy it ourselves, we can buy it in an SBV, for example, but we will look to flip some and buy some, etc. So it gives us flexibility. But the key thing is we're controlling them now with no money down, basically. So from the vendor's perspective, they will not have to pay any mortgages, but they won't be getting any income. And then they'll be getting the money from the properties, drip, drip. Exactly. So that that particular investor is a really successful business buyer. He buys businesses and he realized that he was spending loads of time on fixing boilers. He's had like four Mm. boilers go since we signed signed these up on the 20th of December. He's had four boilers go since then, which is like 10 grand. Yeah. (laughs) But it's not just the 10 grand. It's the hassle of he's he's got to sort out yeah. a plumber. He's got to talk to his. It's has, when that phone number rings and you know who it is. You're like, do I exactly. answer this call? Exactly. Yeah. And you've got all the compliance now of you know gas safety certificates, electrical yeah. certificates, EPCs. And he he said I'm I'm losing money in my business buying business because I'm spending time in my property business, but my property business doesn't make me enough money to warrant it. So I just want to be done. I want to know I've covered all those mortgages. I know I've got a bit of profit coming because he's had in 20 years. He's gotten down to quite a low loan to value. So he's going to get nice chunks of money over the next 11 years. But he can literally forget about it from that date of exchange. So that's how we're doing that particular deal. Yeah. Yeah. Exciting. Exciting and nerve wracking, I imagine. Yeah. Because you take on a lot of liability. You know, people go, oh, that's amazing. Not necessarily. Because you're then responsible for fixing all those boilers. Like, 10K and already gone on yeah. a yeah. When I say no money yeah. down. <laughs> <laughs> apart from you know work out legals on yeah, yeah, 32 on properties and you pay wow. per property we've agreed with the um lawyers and this is there's a negotiation in every direction so we've agreed i think i want to say two grand a property um for the legals but we've agreed that at completion so that's 64 grand straight mm-hmm. away payable on completion but on exchange when we get the keys we've agreed to pay 10% Okay. So yeah. Six grand. So yeah. that's way better to get the keys yeah. on thirty-two properties for just six grand. See, and I always so, think they're just kind of pasting as well. <laughs> oh no, yeah, they probably are. <laughs> yeah. I tell you, the main thing you're paying for, and we're looking at this at the moment because we're look. There's a lot of um, conveyancing firms are um, making redundancies at the moment because the market's contracting. So there's good conveyances out. So I think I spoke about this on the Sophisticated Property Investor podcast, which is my podcast, a few weeks ago. There's really good conveyances out there right now that have been made redundant. But the problem, and and if we're buying 46 properties, it's probably worth employing one for a year or two to do all that. It'd be cheaper. We're not going to pay them 60 grand, for example. Yeah. But they wouldn't be insured. And a big thing you pay for is the insurance. A friend of mine. um, I thought when you had a a survey, if they've missed anything, that's down to you anyway. No, of legal firms, Mm. most lawsuits against the firms will be against the conveyancing department. Okay, Um, yeah. And I've got one at the moment. I was chatting to a friend who's a lawyer and they were saying that their conveyancing department, the guy's got a sterling record, 20 years, not made a mistake. One of his team was working on the file, but he was the partner that was responsible that was signing off on it. And he swears that he had a conversation with the client where he said, just to make you aware, you don't have planning permission to do what you want to do. Like mm-hmm. you'll have to get planning. So it all went through and the guy bought the property, etc. And then he has realized that it doesn't have planning for what he wanted to do. 
And he's gone back to the lawyers and said, you knew what I wanted to do. And he's got it in writing. I'm going to do X, Y, Z with this property. I think it's a commercial deal, but I'm not certain. The junior worker said, um, you know, went to their boss and the boss said, oh, it's okay. I've had a conversation. So he went to the client and he said, we had a conversation about this. And the client said, no, we didn't. <laughs> so he went back and he, if, if they've made a note, if the lawyers made a note in the file that they've told you about X, Y, Z, then they're covered. There was no note to say. No. They'd come, so That's now what, they're being sued. But also that person's not been told he's got planning permission to do that. So it's bizarre, isn't it? It's like proving a Yeah, but it is on the lawyer. That is definitely yeah. on the lawyer and their yeah. professional indemnity will pay out. But if they've paid a million pound for that property, potentially, you know, the claim could be 500 grand. If he has to put it into auction now and it sells for half a million, yeah. uh, he, he'll be due the damages, the difference. So it's a lot of that 2,000 pounds. You're right, Anita. It's cutting and pasting, absolutely. Mm. But it's the insurance that's backing yeah. it up. So where are all these properties? Are they all together? Um, that particular, the 32 are, yeah, within like a four-mile square radius. They're pretty close, which is good for us. And so you're not going to own the town. Yeah, Just yeah. Turn around and, you know, tell people to get out your way. <laughs> <laughs> which is a risk, though, funnily enough, because if a power plant's built next door... Yeah. It doesn't affect one of your houses. It affects 32 of them. So, yeah, they're in the northeast. So they're pretty low value properties, but high cash flow, high cash flow. Yeah. So, yeah. Exciting. Mm, very. So what's your background then? Did you ever have like a real job? Or yeah, I did. I was a teacher. Oh, were you? School. I was a secondary school science teacher. Yeah. So I did that for two How'd years. How'd you go from that to this? That's like I know. It's a big, big jump, leap. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. My uncle had his own chain of estate agents. Um, my other uncle had his own chain of estate agents and my dad worked as an estate agent. So I think property was in my blood. And I can remember being at university. I went to university in Nottingham and I can remember paying my rent and looking in estate agents' windows at what the house next door was for sale. I remember sitting down with mortgage brokers, which was very generous of them because I was a student with no income, saying, so what interest rate? I can get 5%. So what would my repayments be? Oh, you can have an interest-only mortgage. Wow. And working it out, these landlords were buying these properties and earning like a £1,000 a month profit. Mm. And at the time, if I could get a job that paid me a £1,000 a month, in fact, my first paycheck when I was a, an NQT teacher, newly qualified teacher, was £1,400 take home. Mm. And I remember just thinking, this is how you can be retired really, really early if I just get into property. And I bought my own home with my first ever paycheck. I'd already negotiated the purchase price and I could apply for my mortgage with my first paycheck. And my girlfriend and I at the time had been really frugal through university. We'd, been, we'd saved up some money. I think we bought our own home with a 95% mortgage. And we realized we just about had enough money to buy a buy to let on an 85% mortgage. So that they're talking about 100 grand houses. So we had like five grand to go into this house and 15 left over that we put into our buy to let. And that buy to let, the first one, which I bought like six months later than my first house, that made us £100 a month. It was a rubbish investment. We got married and then I lost it in the divorce for her. <laughs> um, but that house made 100 quid a month. I remember thinking, all I've got to do is buy 13 more of these. And I'm financially free. I've replaced yeah. my teaching income. And lo and behold, that's yeah. what I went on to do. So it now. may have been a bad investment. It got that spark going, didn't yeah, it? So in terms yeah. of what it started, then it was, yeah. It wasn't as bad as the next one. The next one was hilarious. I did it no money down and I was over the moon. Like it was a product where the developer, it was a developer, the only new build house I've ever bought. And the developer 
gifted me 5% back and the mortgage product allowed for that. So the mortgage product was like, yeah, you buy it at a hundred grand, you put your five grand in, we'll lend you 95, but the developer's allowed to give it back to you for furniture or whatever. It was a joke and a sign of the times. This is pro yes, pre, yeah. pre credit crunch. So basically hundred percent mortgage. I was like, yes, this is amazing. <laughs> Except <laughs> I'd paid about 10 grand too much for it. So I was yeah, in Yeah, that's the trouble with new yeah. bills is the developer sets the price, not the market, it's don't they? Precisely. And mm. you don't know what you don't know, do you? But I was about 10 grand underwater. So I owed about 10 grand more than it was worth on like a 100 grand house, 110 grand house. When I realized I couldn't sell it, because I was like, oh, I'm just going to buy it and sell it because he'd sold, the developer had sold some for 20, 30 grand more. It's going to be easy. I'm going to make 20 grand in like two months. When I realized I couldn't, I rented it out. And it lost me a hundred pounds a month. Oh, <laughs> Which like, one the hundred you were making from Yeah, so I was one. back to zero. I was back to zero. And I was like, oh yeah, my always goodness. Always learning. Absolutely. Every day is a school day. I couldn't agree more, Anita. Yeah, funny, eh? <laughs> yeah, back in the day. So do you think it's uh, easier or harder now to get into property? Because it has changed in terms of mortgages and LTVs and all of that. A lot has changed, hasn't it? So your question was, is it easier or harder to get into property yes so for everyone sitting at home listening to this thinking oh that sounds good I could do it you know what is the advice it's definitely easier to be successful in property now Mm -hmm. because the loan to values are lower so you, you you need more equity in a property. Notice I'm not saying you need a larger deposit. You just need more equity in a property, which gives you more stability and more safety. Yeah. Um, was it easier then or easier now? The problem was a lot of people got into property because it was so easy to do. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were, were showing how you could get into property, no money down, etc. And because of that, people who shouldn't have got into property did. And they did deals that they shouldn't have done that mm. weren't good enough so when the credit crunch hit they were just wiped out loads mm, of yeah. people I, I bought 26 properties in 2009 and that was because of the credit crunch and i was only mm. two years into it then because you now mentioned is, at the start that there's never been a better time yeah um, now is the best time we've had for way over a decade and like, why is that because we have such a depressed market because mm-hmm. prices are dropping people are scared warren buffett says when the masses are greedy yeah. be fearful when the masses are fearful, be greedy. Now's yeah. the time to be yeah. greedy. No one wants to buy property, which means there are vendors like the two I've just described who want to sell, need to sell, but can't. No one mm. wants to buy buy to let at the moment, or very few people want to buy buy to let. And if they do, they want to buy at a massive discount. There aren't. It's really hard to get a mortgage at the moment. So notice that deal with the thirty-two properties. I don't need any finance. I don't need to go and apply for a mortgage. So mm-hmm. that makes it easy. The hard, one of the hardest things at the moment is getting financed because the banks are fearful. The yes. banks are worried. Yeah. If we lend 75% on this property and then it drops by 20%, we haven't got any skin in the game by the time we've sold it at auctions. So the banks are fearful. So yeah, it is the best time ever, Anita. And the reason I say that is because if you know what you're doing, maybe 2009 was better than today maybe i'm not convinced but i wasn't ready in 2009 i was too young in my career that you know i'm i'm, I'm really filling my boots now and i yes. think we've got about 24 months of amazing buying opportunities and then mm-hmm. you know i imagine inflation will be under control and then uh, the economy will perhaps be exiting the recession banks will be you know wanting to lend again and we'll go back mm-hmm. into the next bubble so what i'm looking to do is buy loads now by the way inflation's amazing for a property investor in terms of capital values because they go through the roof so mm-hmm. like my mortgages at the moment are dropping in real value by 10 percent a year 
because the price of everything else is going up by 10% a year. And so my... But your mortgage is not also going up because of interest rates, right? So the payments on them are absolutely yeah. but not the actual absolute yeah. amount that i owe so yeah. if a loaf of bread is a quid and my mortgage is 100 grand and then a loaf of bread becomes two pounds with inflation which at the moment would only take seven years my mortgage in real terms is halved it's now yes. the equivalent of 50 yeah. grand it's brilliant it's easier to pay off rents also will have gone up massively and they have done and we've with our clients we've been saying for the last two years you've got to get your rents up because mm -hmm. the interest rates are going up you know they, they couldn't go down from 0.1 percent so yeah. you, you absolutely are right anita you mustn't be wiped out in the little mm. blip and it yes. is a little blip you know interest rates are going to flatten off by the way we've had a big dip you know interest rate bank of england base rate was five percent for decades as yeah, they're saying that actually the, the low rate we've had is the anomaly. Now we're probably exactly. getting back to where we should have always been. So Precise. they're not necessarily going to go back to what they were. Yeah. So it's a really good time to buy if you know what you're doing. Mm. And the second part of that is it's so easy to educate yourself now. For example, you know, listening to this podcast, is, this is stuff that traditional investors may not know. You can go on YouTube and find really good free education. You can read really good books now off Amazon that will drop on your doorstep the next day. You can go on seminars. You know, you could probably find 20 seminars in the next three months in the UK mm. that you could go to. They're not. There's all... almost too much, isn't there? You've just got to pick yeah. a, a training company pick a strategy and then start taking action you're absolutely right anita the magpie syndrome as i call it you know there's that shiny object and then that site shiny object. there are a group of people who will never be successful because they never stick with something long enough to make it a success but if you are committed if you are systematic and if you are professional about how you educate yourself and how you take action now is an amazing time for sure yeah, yeah. which is why we kind of help mainly property people because there is such a lot of opportunity for them they what they all need regardless of your property strategy is to be visible become that go-to person in their area mm. or in their strategy that they're pursuing so that they get these opportunities because they're out there but they're not always really easy to find are they absolutely that 32 properties yeah. that was a mortgage broker so you can imagine wow. how many property investors he will know and yes. i hadn't spoken to him in five plus years he picked up the phone and said he was still on my phone i was like oh hello mate <laughs> i haven't heard from yeah. you in quite a long time he said yeah you still buying houses yeah i want to sell my portfolio and that was how it kicked off yeah. and you're absolutely right that's only because he knew me and he trusted that i would be the one he had two cash offers by the way two cash yeah. offers on his wow. whole portfolio and he said i just know that you're going to do what you say you're going to do for plus me. you hadn't spoken for five years but that doesn't mean he hasn't seen you your Very podcast or heard you with your podcast yeah. you're visible on social you know all of that counts as well doesn't it and Absolutely it's so it important does. yeah yeah you don't know who's watching and just going oh he's still doing it oh he's reliable authentic and all credible all that kind we, of thing. we have people now for the first time ever the last probably 18 months who turn up saying, I want to become a franchisee. Well, that's a five-year commitment. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. I've listened to every one of your podcasts the last two years. Well, we put out one a week. And so, what's that, 100 hours <laughs> of listening? <Yeah. laughs> they're either going to run away or they're ready to sign up, aren't they? Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. that's the thing. You, yeah, you can get that trust there and mm. without you even realising because you've recorded this 
ages ago. Yeah. I'd love to hear more about the Stepping Stones project that you mentioned right at the start, mm. start of the podcast there. What, like, what's the thought process behind that? How did it come about? What does it do? Yeah, that actually comes back to university as well. Funny, oh. university's got a lot to answer for. But I grew up in West Wales. Well, my secondary school was seven miles away. Uh, my nearest neighbour was about 400 yards away, so like quarter of a mile. Really rural, halfway up a mountain. And our nearest nightclub was a 45-minute drive. <laughs> and for like a, a red-blooded male at like 17, that was like, yeah, tough going. Yeah. But, so I wanted to go to a city. I went to Nottingham for, for university. It was the first time I'd on a regular daily basis encountered homelessness. So mm. I'd been to Swansea, Cardiff, London, seen people street, sleeping on the street. In Nottingham, I saw the same people. They Did are. you see the man with the xylophone? No. Is there a guy in Nottingham with a xylophone? <laughs> really famous, yeah. Oh, okay. He died um, quite recently and made the news and everything. Oh, bless him. In Nottingham? Yeah, he used to sit uh, in the city centre. Uh, lovely old guy and he had a like, children's xylophone and he used to literally just go bong, bing, bing, and then look up and smile as if he'd done some kind of oh, really? symphony <laughs> and everyone would give him money. He was crazy there every day you know for like 30 I, years. I have a distant wow. recollection because this is going back quite a few years as well yeah, when yeah. I was at university. But I do have a distant re recollection of someone playing the xylophone, but I didn't know he was famous. That's funny. Yeah. But for me, it was, you know, like, oh, there's that guy, you know, on the way into uni, cycling to uni, he'd be on the, the sunny side of the street. And then in the evening, when I come back, he'd be on the other side of the street because that's where the bus shelter was and it protected him from the wind and the rain, you know. And, and just realising these guys live here. This is their life. Going out on a Saturday night and, you know, hammering the student bars and you go to the cash point and someone's just sat there and ask. And they're the same. That's their spot on a Saturday night. They're next mm -hmm. to that cash point. And it really had a big impact on me and my housemate at the time. He had come to uni and it really sad. His dad had passed away during his A-levels and had left him a chunk of money. And in his first year of uni, he went to halls and that's where we became friends. But in his second year of uni, he bought a house and I lived with him and two of our other mates. And he was kind of our landlord, which is funny because that's what I wanted to do. But I just didn't have the, the hundred grand from my, my dad's uh, inheritance. It was a nice house. It was, a, it was in Woolerton, if you know Woolerton. Yeah. So nice part of Nottingham, not the typical student area, quite close to the QMC, which is I was doing human genetics at the time. So I was going to the QMC each day. But we had a garage, at a lounge and stuff. I remember thinking to myself and I came up with this whole plan of interviewing some homeless people and picking someone taking them like for a McDonald's meal and seeing if we if I thought we could help them and then like creating a CV for them and taking them to a charity shop and buying them some nice clothes and helping them to get a job and the whole time they could like live in our garage we could like turn it into a bedroom and give them a heater and a bed and stuff and then they could get a job save some money and go and rent a room in a HMO and then we could do it with someone else and I, yeah. I remember being really excited about it. My housemates were less excited. Like, so hang on, we're going to give someone the keys to our house. We're going to go out, leave all our laptops and bikes <laughs> and stuff in the house. Um, yeah, great idea, Frank. So it never happened. But that was where the seed was sown. Yes. And so when we started buying houses, like the year we did that 26 properties in 2009, I looked back on that year and realized that 
if we had a family that were many, willing to move house, we were always doing up a house. So they could actually, we'd finish doing up a house and then it'd take two weeks for a tenant to move in. They could live in a perfectly good house for a couple of weeks and then we could move them and move them. So I was thinking, well, there's the capacity there, but it wouldn't have worked because there was no furniture in the houses. Who wants to move every two weeks? What if they let all their mates in and wreck the joint mm. just after we'd done it up? You know, so there's quite a few um, risks or, or logistical issues, but it was that evolution of the thought. So when I properly got into property and I'd built myself a decent portfolio, I really started to explore this. I got bored, actually. I got really bored. I I realized that I'd done the same year in property four or five times, as in I just bought five or six houses and I'd rented them out and I'd already reached financial freedom. So it was just more money that I wasn't spending. So I was just buying more properties. I, I was actually one of the low points in my life, which is ironic given that so many people strive for financial freedom. But I realized that I needed a purpose. And that was why I listed my purposes in in that order at the start of the show. I reached out to some people in properties and people in in my church. That was where the the idea of the Stepping Stones project came from. And what we did is we partnered with charities. So the difficulty is if you try and work with homeless people directly, they all have different needs. You have to be an expert at people that have come out of prison or people that have had PTSD from the armed forces or women fleeing domestic abuse situations or people recovering from addictions as a landlord that's really hard but there are charities and I use all those examples because we've housed people in all those examples there are charities that specialize in that they're already helping these people and what we do is provide housing to them so we say look would it help you if we provided you a house where your clients could live in whilst you work with them and we've done that for refugees we've done it for asylum seekers we've done it for all manner of different service users types of service users and charities and And it costs nothing to the charity. In fact, often the charity will be able to make money because they'll be able to charge like an enhanced LHA rate to support the people in the house. All we do is we find an investor that will buy the house in their area. The LHA, the basic LHA pays the investor. So that pays their mortgage and gives them a return. And we've just like set the whole thing up and we monitor it for the investors. So that's how we've grown to such a large extent basically but yeah really exciting project and we're excited to be taking it to other countries we've got a couple of countries mm. on our radar that we're excited to expand into yeah. must be incredibly rewarding as well mm. it is when you go to the houses or you meet the individuals or i had one ceo of a charity cry in front of me we showed her the mm. house that had just been done up and she's like i've been trying to do this for 10 years and today i get the keys and it was really really moving actually mm, yeah. yeah fabulous mm. so on to the questions we ask every guest. The first is to recommend a book that has helped you or inspired you along the way. This is quite hard for me. I knew this was coming. You asked yes. me in advance because I read so much. Any one time I'm reading like five to 10 books, probably read on average, finish a book a week, something like that. So I've gone with a, a recent one. I've just started Spare. That'd be controversial for oh, you. Oh, God, have uh, you? Harry's, you uh, Harry's uh, memoir. And you know, this is so funny. My other half, can't bear the fact that I paid 15 quid for this book to support Harry and I, I'm he not, hasn't really inspired me to buy it to be honest but he hasn't no and it's really divisive isn't it really yeah. divisive. Like what do you think so far then um, well I started reading it last night so I've only oh, read okay. like an hour but just interesting I'm just I'm, I'm a student of life and that guy has lived a life that is an unusual one I think we could say that a unique Indeed. one and so I'm interested in his perspective a friend of mine was saying that what he has made from well he and Megan have made from the Spotify podcast, the Netflix documentary, and the book is probably in the order of $200 million. Wow. That's interesting. 
<laughs> How well, many I did it from a very privileged platform, though, didn't he? Let's face absolutely. it. Absolutely. Average Joe making that money. That's absolutely true. But if you asked villagers in Africa, right, who this ginger bloke was and this woman stood next to him eight years ago i doubt many would know but i've heard it said that he's like the most recognizable or they're the most recognizable couple like on the planet now that in itself is interesting like that's that's a pretty incredible pr improvement and, and i'm not saying it's good I'm not is saying... it an improvement i don't know because you know he talks well, a lot about a... just wanting to protect his wife and children and like, uh, becoming the most recognizable person in the planet yeah, and does, one of the does, richest does it doesn't, doesn't really help, gel doesn't help with that yeah okay <laughs> it's a uh, dramatic increase in the number Shift. of people that know him it's a d- yeah, dramatic yeah. increase in his brand mm-hmm. awareness i guess mm-hmm. um a stat that always uh, yeah, astounded yeah. me was that the McDonald's arches are more recognizable globally than the Christian cross. I find mm. that to this day, I find that amazing. But, and the Coca-Cola symbol. Is it really? I didn't know mm. that. But for those corporations, that is a massive achievement. Like mm. it, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I'm, I am saying it's, it's impressive. <laughs> you can't yeah. fail to be impressed. So I'm just reading it from, from that perspective, but my other half can't stand it. She's like, don't read that when you're in front of me. I'm like, you're kidding. Uh, no, don't I'm not. have that in the house. It's, it's funny how divisive it is yeah. as well, isn't it? But then that's the national press that has created that. Yeah. yeah. I, I said yeah. last night, tongue in cheek obviously do we need to separate over this is this something that our relationship can't yeah. weather you know that i'm reading spare but it's interesting that's not the book i've come anyway, the book, yeah, the, the, the book. <laughs> but the one i'm sharing here is this one and it's the almanac mm. of naval ravikant now oh, have gosh. you have you heard of that no no I pretty unusual book really insightful really really insightful why would anyone read it most books you read they have an angle right they're trying to sell There's an agenda yeah even if the only agenda is to make some money from selling the book naval has not written that book and to the best of my knowledge and I'm, i think i'm right in saying hasn't earned a penny from it it was written by someone else and in fact naval insisted that it be made free online as a pdf to anyone who didn't want to pay for it so straight away you go well that's interesting yeah the book is almost entirely tweets and quotes from naval so he's not someone's put them together in a really logical sensical area so for example i'll go to the uh, index here building wealth is the first 60 odd pages and they're all quotes from him about building wealth now this is someone who was a poor kid in india who is now i think he's a billionaire if not he's very close to being a billionaire so self-made and you go okay well there's quite a lot of books actually by billionaires in fact one of my business partners has come out and said i'm never reading a book from anyone other than a billionaire i'm like millionaires haven't haven't earned enough money for me to learn from them which i don't agree with but interesting (laughs) that there's that many books from billionaires so building wealth is the first 60 odd pages in a 250 page book but then building judgment Oh, that's interesting. That's not a normal topic in a lot of business books. And the way he goes about it is fascinating. Really intelligent guy. Really, really intelligent guy. He is an angel investor in some of the biggest brands. So think of Uber, think of Twitter, think mm-hmm. of uh, he might have been early on in Facebook as well. Don't quote me on any of this. But basically, he's a Silicon Valley go-to person. Tim Ferriss, four hour, author of the 4-Hour Workweek, has come out publicly and said, I'm never going to write a forward to a book. But he broke his rule for this one. He wrote the foreword for this, which speaks volumes. Tim Ferriss says, Naval is one of the few people that I'll go to for advice. 
and he really respects mm. him. Well, I really respect him first, read every one of his books, etc. So you've got building judgment and he, he goes about it and he comes from a perspective. And this is an interesting perspective of challenging everything. I'm not going to take anything for granted. Yeah. And so if someone says something and he's like, oh, that's interesting, he'll go to basic principles. So, you know, if someone says our GDP is uh, fell by 10% last year, oh, I've not noticed that. So he'll go and find whatever the definition of GDP is, and then he'll go and find the report. And then he'll realize that they're talking about the GDP in gross domestic product, by the way, you know, turnover of a country, basically, in terms of, ah, they're talking about raw product. They're not talking about manufactured. And it will really get to the nuance because what he's saying is a lot of what we hear has got a purpose around it and he wants to to get to the the truth he wants to understand definitely the, in the media yeah. and press and absolutely. tv yeah massively so building, sounds like a busy guy <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely so building judgment there's another like 20 pages on that learning happiness or happiness right happiness there's 80 pages 80 pages on happiness so really interesting book i'm gonna check that out absolutely and it's you can do it in bite-sized pieces you can yeah. jump around it as well you know if you want to start on the happiness bit first and great i like the idea that it is bite-sized because you know i might be able to filter it down to my children who are teenagers and have mm. no interest in reading this but i know they'll have a better life if they start along that self awareness you know mindset self-development get out the victim mentality journey sooner rather than later yeah Mm. and he says (laughs) some some things there i'll share one of them with you um i'm big on joint ventures i've got over 20 joint venture partners i loved it when he said i'm only going to work with someone if i can see me working with them for the rest of my life yeah and i was like wow so their values such a lot of layers under that yeah loads their values got to live up this has got to be a long-term but i like them yeah Absolutely. Uh, the second question is, what makes you savvy? So I actually had to look up the definition of savvy <laughs> because the, the best definition I could think of was, uh, or sorry, the best usage of it or the, the one that sprung to mind was Captain Jack Sparrow in Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. He goes, savvy? savvy and i was thinking i just thought it's a pirate thing but it actually is i don't know if you know that i looked it up yeah so, it savvy. is a nautical term yeah we didn't exactly. know until one of our podcast guests told us once and we were like, oh there you go there you go so that's the verb like do you understand to understand is savvy but i think yeah. the noun this is what i came up with uh shrewdness and practical knowledge the ability to make good judgments so yeah. if we go off that one, I think it's learning, being humble about what I don't know, which makes me open, open mm-hmm. to being wrong, open to other people's perspectives and opinions, but being confident in what I do know. And I think that there's a balance in that. And I think that's why I'm successful in, in vendors selling to me. I think it's why I'm successful in coaching people in their businesses because and i'll often say this i'll say look some my job is to tell you what i'm thinking that's my job as your coach as your mentor my job is to tell you what i'm thinking your job is to listen with an open mind and then decide what's best for you and sometimes i'll say look you know that's your job my job is i'm going to tell you something now that's going to be really hard to hear perhaps your job is just to listen but some things i'll tell you that i feel really really confident about because i've helped 20 or 30 people with them and you know 29 times or 19 times out of 20 it's worked for them so i'm going to tell you that i feel really strongly about this and it's i'm not telling you i can never tell you it's your life your business but i really think this is the right thing and sometimes i say look i'm just gonna say this because it's in my head and if i don't share it with you i'm doing you a disservice because you're paying me for what's what i think but i'm really not sure this is a good idea but it might resonate with you and i think that willingness 
to be vulnerable, that willingness to not have all the answers really helps me as a coach because my clients then, they don't feel bad if they don't follow my advice because I've given them permission not to. Mm -hmm. And it also empowers them to make the decisions and empowers them to not know either. And to go, do you know what? Frank doesn't know. I don't know. But based on our conversations, based on the knowledge I've got here, I'm going to make this judgment and I'm going to live by the results of it. So I think, yeah. Does that make me savvy? Great answer. Yeah. The best I could come up with. (laughs) So how how can people find out more about you then, Frank? The Sophisticated Property Investment Podcast is probably one of the best ways to just hear what I'm about. That's my podcast from a property perspective. Martial Arts, it's GeForce Martial Arts. You can look up um, GeForce Martial Arts or Gordon Burcham, B-U-R-C-H-A-M. So that's the martial arts business. And then Business Mastery is our coaching company. So if you want to get in touch with us at Business Marchery, to be honest, you can come through to us on any channel and just tell us how we can help you and we'll happily help you. If you're enjoying Property Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, follow and subscribe. Awesome. So that was Frank. We share the same... um podcast producer pete from carrot cruncher so that was pretty interesting too so that's why our podcast is so awesome because we have such a great podcast producer which was pretty cool and who knew that he only lived like down the road from us up the road from us that was kind of random the book i'd never heard of that book have you and normally people mention books that we know already or we've heard of or half that i've literally never heard of that naval person have you naval ravikant so that and it's that it's one that i'm going to get as well because you think what Okay, that sounds really interesting. But so. you could win it. So if you take a screenshot of the episode, tag us in, put it on social media, we'll pick somebody out of the hat and you can win it. And then we'll send it to you. Yeah, but they did say you could get a free PDF version of that. Yeah, but Leicester. we will get you the book. If you win it, we'll get you the actual yeah. book. Because we're generous yeah, we like that, yeah. we? Just got to share this podcast episode, tag us so we can see it. And then, uh, you know, if you win it, we will contact you and send it to you. Yeah, that was really interesting. Fabulous stuff. And it's like, like you said, it's, you know, a, a rickety journey, isn't it? Up, down. And I just think that the more people that share that, the better, really. It's never plain sailing. Never. So when you're ready for that, it's fine, isn't it? Expect the unexpected and uh, keep on going and you will get there eventually. And have anyway. whatever you're doing for the rest of the day. Enjoy it. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode. See you Bye-bye. later. Bye. That was Property Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club. If you enjoyed it, connect with us on social media. Just search Get Savvy Club.